To all of the veterans out there, thank you for your service. This is the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. We are coming to you, as always, from the Lou Fuse Automotive Group studio. My name is Michael Wellington, and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner. Many of you know him as the Natty King. His name is Brandon McNamee. Brandon? Hey, how are you? What's going on, man? Are you good? good? Oh, brother, perfect. Yes, awesome. Waiting for that nice weather coming next week. Yeah, you're really you're always watching the weather. Aren't always you? every day, man. I wake up first thing I'm looking at, see if there's any changes. You know, like a weatherman that doesn't know anything about weather. You can be wrong if you're the weatherman. It's a good. Part <laughs> That's the best part weather. about it. Yeah, got a very interesting guest today. We're going to talk all things cannabis. We've got the founder and CEO of Proper Cannabis today, John Pennington. Hello, Michael. Thank you for coming all the way Good out to here to visit you, with us, man. It's great yeah. to see you as always. Yeah, great to be here. Brandon, nice to meet you. You too, man. You too. You guys Thanks got a nice here. little setup here. Pretty professional. You didn't think it was No, I figured it was going to be a pro. I, you know, you, you've always been a pro. <laughs> In every Brandon, stage of your life. Thank you. I appreciate That's that. True. I was telling Brandon before you got here that, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but... Did your kind of interest in the cannabis begin when you were at University of Colorado Boulder? Is that somewhere where you well, it really, it really began at uh, you know my time <laughs> at DeSmet Jesuit. Okay, so <laughs> good. I mean, that's really when I I began consuming. I I look back medically, you know, certainly at a time when a doctor couldn't prescribe or uh, offer that as a as a medical support. But yeah. that's when it was formally introduced to me in my life, but further expelled in Boulder, Colorado, where I went to college and, you know, you're surrounded by it. And it's certainly part of the culture it was when I was there, as I have, you know, communicated, it's, it's been a part of my life for well over 25 years. Nice. Was Colorado one of the first to make that legal? I believe so. Is yeah. that right, Johnny? Yeah. You know. yeah. I- <clears throat> yeah. One of the first states that in uh, California. And they got but, mushrooms uh, and shit are legal over there too. I think like the whole, yeah, they just fucking don't care uh, about nothing. They've reduced or decriminalized psilocybin which that's is cool. that's yeah. awesome yeah i guess tell our listeners a little bit about i mean i look at proper cannabis as the pioneer in the state of missouri who kind of in my opinion brought everything to the forefront i'm sure there's some other companies out there that were alongside but what year did it start for you how did you begin with it i, mean, I guess tell us about the beginning of the metamorphosis where it goes from the idea of having a company to grow houses to dispensaries you know where did it all begin for you well Ironically, the business plan came while I was under the uh, use of an edible, and I proclaimed kind of my interest to my wife at uh, midnight, and you know the the business sense just everything made sense. But in 2018 in Missouri, there was three different laws that were jockeying to get on the ballot in November, and I was approached by an individual who knew about my background, and they wanted to start a trade association to get behind the industry, to give you a kind of a four-year synopsis. I had previously built the state of Missouri's largest non-for-profit methadone treatment center. Oh, that's awesome. Um, in Hazelwood. And that's when you know my knowledge of the FDA, the DEA, the war on drugs, how laws got approved, that's when things went off in my mind, like, holy shit, 98% of heroin addicts began by abusing pain meds and the companies that were issuing pain meds and my real estate background with that. And then, you know, them asking me to join this, this group, I went to my real estate partners and I said, Hey, I don't want to be reactionary to this industry. And I've studied the law and it made a whole lot of sense to me. And during that time is when I started creating the, the business plan and you know, I could share more details and fast forward now we're, you know, we have 250 employees and, Fuck, you know, we're, you know, what I think is probably the the highest quality Missouri company in the industry. Absolutely. Do you have any out here, out where we're at? Lake no, so we have, we go by proper cannabis or proper brands. We we have an edible line uh, called Honeybee Edibles. It's an artisan high-end chocolate and, and, and gummy. That's your line. Yeah, we have a lifestyle brand called Ratio. 
a sleep line called Good Night. What's a lifestyle brand mean? Sorry, um, I, might, I might throw us all over the place here because this shit interests them. Yeah, well, so you I know, might you come know, out. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like anything. It's a brand. And in this you know, particular case, is the, that like- the brand's call ratio. And what we want is to have hyper predictable outcomes for highly specific desired outcomes, right? Oh, awesome. So yeah. it goes from active to focus to balance to relax to soothe. So you tell me how you want to feel. No shit. And we can control the dose and make sure that that's what you get. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Sorry. So, that's, I, like, I as went, opposed to consuming something, you're like, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm taking. Dude, yeah. You know, this what, yeah. is meant to say, this is how you should feel. And you know, at the end of the day, that's what the plan is intended to do. And now we're at a point where people are realizing that you can take it for a spectrum and myriad of reasons. Pretty cool. Dude, that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, obviously we are always going to talk about mental health on this podcast from your point of view as a man who is deep into the business. And I know you, I know your family. I know that you are a man for others and you're always, I mean, obviously it's a good business decision to go into the cannabis business, but there's also an aspect of it for you, I know, that you want to help others. So, and, and Brandon's a great example. You know, Brandon hasn't done a lot of experimentation with cannabis. So when someone comes to you and says, hey, I think that I'd like to try some things to improve my mental health, like what would your first recommendation be? When you think about the industry and, and how it's transforming society, if I ask you, Brandon, all right, how often do you go to the doctor? Probably like once every six or seven months. Okay. So when you go to the doctor, how much how much time are you literally spending with the doc? Man, I was just I literally just went to the I got told you a minute ago I got just prescribed Ritalin before we got on air. I was telling you guys this, and I went to the doctor last week with a whole fucking notepad of shit I wanted to talk about. Yeah, and I was there. And you got cut short. Eight minutes. Yeah, okay. eight minutes. I was like, fuck. So and I was out. You have all this stuff going on in your life. You have all the things you want to talk about. You have yeah. eight minutes, and what happened? They give you a prescription. Here, Ritalin. Bye. Okay, Get the fuck out. Who's your pharmacist? Walmart. Walmart. And what's his or her name? Exactly. Yeah. So fuck. <laughs> you got this busy, crazy life. That's why I don't trust what I'm you taking. You go That's on the doc. Yeah. In an eight-minute conversation, they're supposed to figure out everything going on. Mm-hmm. They write you a script. You go to the Walmart pharmacy. You have no idea who it is. And you just assume that in this eight-minute period, you should trust what they, they give you. Right. And right. you walk away, right? Yeah. And then you say, well, who makes your drug? Exactly. And so, do you have any idea what the manufacturers? No, I don't no. know shit about it. So that's, there. That, there you go. So as yeah. consumers, this is how we make decisions, right? right? And it's nothing against doctors and not trusting them. They're they're the the healthcare market is swamped, right? So now keep going. Imagine next week you're having an issue with your medicine. Okay, how long is it going to take you to get back in the doctor? I mean, it was either I called them last week and they were like, well, we had a last minute cancellation coming at three o'clock today or May 30th. There you <laughs> go. It's like, and you've got insurance and you probably know people. Well, the system is set up to support people who got money and have access, right? Well, what if you don't? Right. Right. So if you think about cannabis, imagine if you're dealing with, you know, something on mental health and, and psychiatric disorders or qualifying conditions on the medical side of the law. So imagine you have somebody who is depressed versus somebody who's dealing with anxiety. You wouldn't give them the same medicine. Correct. Right? If somebody is depressed and you want to help uplift them, increase their serotonin, right, versus someone who's anxiety-driven, if you gave them the same product, it could have adverse effects. And here we are as consumers buying things, getting prescribed things, entering those into our systems with other stuff, and we have no idea what the hell's going on. Right. And in this case, if you came to our store... So your question is, are we out here? What do we do? At least you know that 90% of the products that we sell, we made. Yeah. We control the process. Right. And you come in, and if you meet with our patient care specialist, that say, why are you here? Right? Try this. Let's see if it works and come back in a week. And if it doesn't work, we can modify the dose. And that's part of the ratio where you're modifying the intake of CBD and THC. And that's where this industry is becoming a disruption to the people who at one point were opposed to it. The people who were obstructionist are now the ones entering the space because I can sell safer products, more reliable products. That's better for you. That's taking their market share. It's not habit or it's not fucking addictive. Of course. And correct me if I'm wrong, you don't need an appointment. No. You can just come to one of your places and talk to some of your people and learn and, and test and see what can work. And if it, if it works, great. Then you come back again and you get the same thing. But if it doesn't, you come back and you say, hey, I want to try something different. Yeah, I and mean, medicine's a science experiment. Couldn't agree more. Right? How somebody reacts or metabolizes something is different. 
you know, and, and we need doctors. We love doctors. We've got doctors that we work with and cannabis is no different, you know, and there's certain people who shouldn't consume it. And there's certain people who don't know what they're consuming. And that's where at the end of the day, we should know what we're taking, what its intent is. And it gets back to what's really going on in your life. What do you need help with? Right. You know, and that's what you guys are trying to address is making mental health people's ability to be more open and vulnerable about what they need help with, what they struggle with. And I think that's where cannabis is helping change and impact that on a real fucking level. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with that more in the sense that, you know, over the years I had tried to find the right bipolar medication for myself. Right. And so I had to test different drugs. You know, I would, I'd try one for three weeks and if I liked it, I would stick with it. And then maybe after a long period of time, I wanted to change, I'd try another one. And I think that's kind of one you're getting at. I mean, the ability to go to any one of your places and try something new, I think is so important because, you know, like Brandon said, if he didn't get into that opening that somebody canceled that day, he would have had to wait another month. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And the ability to try something fast, because that speeds up your process of getting healthier sooner. Right? Yep. And that's yeah. what I think one of the great things you guys offer. Yeah. And I think that our motto is, you know, expect a higher standard and improving people's lives, you know, through cannabis. You know, I love the word vulnerability in the business sense and in people's personal lives is really boils down to what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. What do you need help with? And we have people who are coming in and they're sharing more about what's going on in their lives than they are their wives, their spouses, their doctors. You know, so they're certainly entrusting us and, and all of our brands are the highest quality made and engineered in-house, packaged in-house, and we're building brands. But at least at our stores, you know what you're getting. That focus and intent on quality and specificity is is huge for us. And it's called Honey Honeybee? Honeybee Edible is is uh, our chocolate and an edible line. Ratio is the lifestyle brand. Our, one of our top, our top selling SKU the last three months is only for sleep. Really? It's called Good Night. That's my mom, well, who's <laughs> you know was it. a drug counselor. She's never slept better in forty years. She says, <laughs> "Yeah, that's good." And to to take this, you know, over an Ambien, oh yeah, you yeah. know that's going to completely f you up, especially if you couple it with a some, cocktail or a glass beers. of wine yeah. or something else, yeah. you know, sugar. Ambien's super dangerous. Oh, is it? Yeah, it yeah. Is. Ever just read the you know the the, the, the fine small print. fine print. Or go look at the manufacturer and, and oh, dude, you ever don't seen do this, this, this. But nobody's taught that or coached it, that. It's like those know? commercials where they're all dancing in the park, and it's like, take control of your life today. And then it's like they're still dancing in the park, but they're like, yo, 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 don't take this if you're going to do this or you're going to do that. It <laughs> right, might right. may cause coma, death, fucking uh-huh. explosion. Like I, I got mean, a funny little story. I was in I was in Vegas. I don't know a few years ago for actually a cannabis conference, and I was having drinks with uh, the guy who was the former chief marketing officer for. Cheez-Its and Pringles. Oh, shit. I like you that know, guy. Multi-billion yeah. dollar brand, right? He goes, hey, uh, JP, you ever read the back of a Cheez-Its box? Oh, man, don't don't ruin Cheez-Its you know? for me, bro. And he goes, you, you like Cheez-Its, right? <laughs> man, I love, I love okay. Cheez-Its. Yeah. You ever just had one Cheez-It? No. <laughs> yeah. Can't. How about one little handful? <laughs> right. No. no. It's a whole yeah. box. Yes. Well, the ingredients on the back are, you know, encourage you to grab it more. I mean, you know, we're in the consumer-based world, yeah. right? Yeah. So people want, you know, and, and listen, they got a brand they're trying to sell. Yeah. And they want people to buy more Cheez-Its. Well, the ingredients in it encourage you to buy more Cheez-Its. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. Whole so, box, one setting. That's the no chief problem. marketing off. I don't even know what his name is. So To try to get a little bit more detailed, if someone came to you, whether it was me or Brandon, and let's say Brandon came to you and wanted to ask you about a brand you would recommend for anxiety, and I came to you and I wanted to ask you about a brand that would help with depression. Yep. Do you have you know specific recommendations for those two areas? Yeah, so I would uh, first say, hey, guys, I'm not the expert of our company. I know enough to guide and counsel, but I'd say... Go to one of our stores. We have what we call patient care specialists, and I said, go in because um, I don't want to. I don't want to be the one that's saying, "Hey, Brandon, you got to take this." Like you know, sure. Go in. You ask questions. Let them know why you're here, and I can ensure you that they're going to be educated and knowledgeable. You know, and, and flour, you've got terpenes and strains. That's what they were right? telling me. Those about. Those are different. Yeah. Like it's not just how much THC is in something. The ratio brand is is CBD and THC. Is that and, a, that's a gummy? Well, or, it, or a pen. Or a or, pen. Yeah. And when you're utilizing CBD and THC in, in the proper ratio, 
mm-hmm. no pun intended, but it was purposeful, you can control the outcome. Yeah. So for somebody who is depressed, we'd say, try this focus mint or pen or try the terpenes that are going to create a, an elevated kind of euphoria. So the well, terpenes do that. Yep. Sorry, I mean, or the THC CBD blend. If somebody is anxious and needs to kind of wind down, we'll try this relaxed or soothe or something that has a little bit more of a sedative in its terpene profile. And we've got a hundred different genetics of plants, <laughs> right? These genetics are like humans, you know, in the sense from a biological perspective, they've got different DNA components. In this case, terpenes or genetics that are going to have different outcomes. That's the cool part of this stuff. So I, I've always, I've, I've literally have only tried flour in my entire life. Yeah. Never a pen, never. Sometimes I see the people with the goo and shit and I'm like, what the fuck is that guy doing? <laughs> but I've only ever tried flour. I never really liked it. Yeah. I never really liked it. Well, you shouldn't take it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've always like, maybe I didn't find the right strain. Maybe I didn't, f- the right levels and shit. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm. It kind of like gets me a little anxious and shit. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I used to be highly functional. I smoked flour all day, every day, and I don't anymore. Oh, really? And now that I don't like it, I'm at the point in my life where, you know, four kids, married, couple businesses. I, I, I don't like to be out of control. Sure. I want to know how I'm going to feel for how long, and I, I want predictability. I so want you, consistency. Right? So is your take? Are you taking? Now, I like a good joint because it's kind of fun. But like, you <laughs> know, that's the point. Like, I'm going to drive around and like just get stoned, right? But sure. You know, if I knew in high school to smet what I knew now, and I could consume then in in today's world, you know, mints gets in your saliva glands. So it's right? a mint. Well, think about it like, like just like a breath mint, right? That's yeah. a form factor that gets in your saliva glands. Well, the onset is a little bit faster, and the duration is shorter. If you smoke something, it gets in your bloodstream. It's immediate. If you digest something, it metabolizes differently. The onset is longer. The duration is longer, right? <laughs> if you put a topical on, it will it will gravitate to your cannabinoids in that area immediately. So it's the genetic, the terpene profile, what's in it, what form factor, and again, what is the intent? Yeah. So golfers, you play a few rounds of golf, you're sore, put on some body lotion, Right, THC, CBD, you'll have no psychosis, acts as an anti-inflammatory. Take a little blend of CBD and THC, you're nice and loose, stay focused. Hmm. You have a great fucking round of golf. (laughs) Uh, I kid you not. When the year the Blues won the Stanley Cup, and I don't know who's going to listen to this, I think half their team was consuming our stuff. I think you need to get it back to all of them then. Get to the market. <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. Good. yes. Right. Johnny, what do you say to the people who are out there that are uninformed? They think that cannabis is just oh, a bunch of stoners that want to get high and they don't really believe in the helpful effects. Because I'm sure there's plenty of those people out there. Like as a person who's super educated in this space, it's your it's your business. I'm sure there's a certain amount of passion involved. What do you say to those people? I'd say, look at me. Look at you. You know, look at the the consumer, the number of people who are walking this planet on SSRIs or antidepressants or anything, you know, I mean, it's it's crazy and it's not bad. That's just, you know, the world we're in. This is no different than any other medication. Walk into the store, see the patients, see the people there, and I guarantee you they're just like you or me or anybody else. You start with that conversation. The person who's anti, you're very rarely ever going to convince them. You know, Bud taught me that, right? Sure. Who? My dad, you know, the what philosopher. The name? name was Bud? Yeah, Bud. You know Bud. <laughs> Francis. Yeah, Francis Eugene. Yes. Oh, Bud, like You weed. get seven adults in a room. That's where I was going with it. Bud, like, you know. Yeah. You get seven adults in a room. They could be your best friends or family members, and you're never going to unanimously agree on any topic. Right. right. Right? So if someone's an obstructionist or they hate it, do I really care to engage and convince them? Eh, you know, it's like politics. Good. You could judge or try it out or judge me. Uh, or you could say, well, what do you take? Right. You know, I still think it gets back to, you know, people are not as open-minded. People are more insecure in general. People have a hard time with any change. And, you know, people who are successful, people who are interested in people have a better way of just being more open about what they really struggle with. And I would say the people who are anti just have no fucking clue. Totally. I teach out of the jail. Yeah, we're going to get into that you know, for sure. We're going to talk. What happens about when you're met with real opposition? 
We're going to talk about what you do uh, at the St. Louis County Jail here shortly. Um, the thing that I, you know, really believe in cannabis is that it's natural, right? I mean, yeah. Brandon's talking about Ritalin or, you know, there's Vyvanse out there. You know, there's certainly a, a plethora of bipolar drugs. Depakote comes to mind, Lamictal, Lamotrigine, all these. To me, the, the natural aspect of cannabis can't be overlooked. I think that people need to understand that, you know, maybe it would be easier on your body than taking some of these pharmaceutical drugs. Do you, I mean, have you had those kind of conversations? With- oh, 100%. I mean, I th- you know, anything that is grown in the dirt and, you know, natural. Now, you know, we're, we're mirroring environmental conditions. You know, it's an indoor farm. We use not natural light, <laughs> but you can still control the same outcome. And it's a natural plant. I mean, everything starts with the mom who gives birth to clones who then have certain genetics and but yeah the 100 percent natural you know organic nature of this is is a huge part you know it gets back to what you said you know some people understand that some people don't for something that synthetically is engineered so right so what it became legal recreationally what in february this year 2000 that was the first month we missourians voted on it in november of 22 and the law came into effect yeah, first first of February. Okay, so you guys are both fathers, right? You're raising children in this world. You know, Johnny, obviously your background is extensive with this. Is there if for the people that are listening, do you believe that there's like a certain age when like teenagers or kids in their early 20s it would be appropriate to start uh, using cannabis or is it just kind of like it was when we were growing up, like you just kind of stumble into it and then you take it from there? It's a great question. You know, by the way, my 12-year-old is, a, you know, he's a, he wears the merchandise and he's one of our, you know, proper ambassadors. <laughs> Good. Um, no, I mean, I, I think when you look at the biological and chemical makeup of any human, we're all developing at different rates. Kids should not consume cannabis. Kids should probably not consume a lot of the medicines they take. Right. And so long as your brain is developing and, you know, your your DNA is developing, you should always limit what you take. You know, I mean, like right now, sugar, I mean, it's probably the most addicting drug. I'm addicted to it. Right. So am I. There's been science experiments. It is. It's more addicting than cocaine. I believe it. Yeah. Sugar. 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 Wow. Right. So we have introduced CBD on occasion to the kids. I think from a THC perspective, I would say by the time the kids are, you know, 15 to 16, I could see us entering a, you know, especially if they're athletic or they're on other medications, a low dose of of THC, hyper small dosage. And I would say by the time you're 18 or 21, when you're more fully developed, and you can comprehend what you're taking and why you're taking it. When I was 16 at the Smet, taking fucking bong rips to get stoned, you know, which <laughs> I had fun. Gravity bongs. But I, I was tested for ADD, and I'm still that way. And I, I believe that cannabis helped me. I just didn't have the doc that that said that. Um, now how do you how do you feel it helped you? Like that's an interesting point. I think it made me more focused. I think it allowed me to settle down, help navigate my world. Yeah. I mean, I have a similar experience. Less distracted, you know, getting through the school day. Uh, I honestly, I think as an athlete, dude, I mean, I, you know, I I played three sports. I never got hurt. (laughs) You know, it's very, yeah. Yeah. Um, So from a recovery standpoint, you know, from an alert standpoint, you've heard of the runner's high, you Mm -hmm. know, well, cannabis issues the same. That's part of your whole endocannabinoid system. Athletes love it. What, what's that endocannabinoid system? Yeah, what is I mean, it's, just, it's 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 you know it's it's part of your biological nature, and it's how your body reacts to the outside and inside world. You know, when you take a Tylenol, you know, if you have a sore foot or a sore sh- shoulder or you have a headache, the Tylenol gravitates towards that area of the body. That's your endocannabinoid system. And cannabis are all cannabinoids, natural cannabinoids that are interacting with your endo natural endocannabinoid system. Oh, fuck. So when so you like a marriage, when you realized that the cannabis was helpful for your ADD, yeah. was it ADHD or ADD? Either, I guess both. Oh, it is. Yeah, is I, it? I, I, you That's know, my I was, big thing. I was never formally diagnosed, but I remember right. I was tested. And you're an yeah. educated person, so you yeah. figure, well, maybe I have this. Right. Yeah. Once you realized that the cannabis helped you, did you start using the cannabis in a routine-like way? Yeah. I mean, listen, I was a functional pothead, sure, in high school and college. So I consumed it every day, all day. <laughs> And I wasn't 
you know, okay. National Honor Society, captain of the football team. Yeah. You know, got great grades, played highly functioning. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. So I, 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 how did it help? It helped me navigate all that stuff. Now I know people it didn't help, right? And it gets back to like that addiction. There's certain, you know, uh, what they say, two and a half, three percent of the population will always be addicted to something: sex, drugs, alcohol, women, gambling, gambling. Me, I wasn't going to say it, but nothing to hide. And those are people that shouldn't do those things. Yes, I mean the reason I asked you that is because once I figured out how to use cannabis to help me, my life changed tenfold for the better. And I'll tell you exactly how this happened. So obviously when I was a young kid, I didn't know that I had bipolar, right? right? But my mom used to bring me to Chicago to visit her family on the train. Okay. How, how on young? The Amtrak. I mean, you know, from the time I was born until the time I was you know 20 years old, we go to Chicago. But you know, when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, we'd hop on the Amtrak right there in Kirkwood and we'd go up, right? Well, my mom used to give me Benadryl because she thought that that would help me sleep on the train, right? But what it really did because of my chemical imbalance it made me run around the train like a madman. Right. Wow. So in and other words, more Benadryl. Well, right. <laughs> but what I, as I got older and I, then I found out that I had bipolar, I realized that my chemical imbalance flipped the effects of things like Benadryl and cannabis. So for example, most people, maybe not all, and Johnny, you can back this up if you want, but I think a lot of people have that stereotypical idea of cannabis. Well, I'm going to smoke some cannabis or I'm going to eat some cannabis. I'm going to lay on the couch and order a pizza and watch a movie. Yeah. Right? I'm just going to yeah. be lazy. Yeah. Well, for me, what I learned from, from my own experience was that cannabis would give me uh, a burst of energy. So as a person living with bipolar, you know, one of the things I struggle with was depression. So when I would wake up and I'd be sluggish and I wouldn't want to do anything, I would use the cannabis and then I'd go have a cardio workout. Yeah. And my cardio workout set the tone for the entire day. day. We were talking about this before the show. But once I realized that that was useful for me, my workouts, and I'm, let's be, I'm going to be clear. I, don't, I wasn't going in to lift heavy weights after using cannabis, right? I wasn't, yeah. you know, going and being a meathead. But the cardio workout, my workouts were better after using cannabis as opposed to the days when I wouldn't use it, right? Because I did it's kind of a test on myself over like a week span. I did like three days where I would do it before the cardio workout and then three days where I wouldn't. And it was noticeably better on the days that I used the cannabis, right? So for a person like myself living with bipolar who fights with depression, I use the cannabis now to, to pull me out of that sluggish or that apprehensive or that almost lazy feeling, right? Sure. And I, I think that to your point about you figured out that it helped you with your ADD, right? I figured out that it helped me with my bipolar. People have to be willing to try these things and figure out, hey, what works this works best for or me. What doesn't? Because there's no rules yeah. in the mental health world, right? No. Like all of our body chemistry is different, right? What works for me may not work for you That's guys right. and vice yeah, versa. 100%. And I think that. I think more people are starting to realize that, and I think more people are starting to use cannabis because of it, and I'm, that's why I'm very pro-cannabis. Yeah, and I think it uh, it gets back to what we talked about, not having to go to the doctor you know, every six months or 12 months for eight minutes and assume that Dude, that right. stretch is going to solve all the problems, right? So, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, think about your awareness now. And, of course, it comes with age and, you know, maturity, but, you know, you're just understanding of your body and what works, what doesn't. Like, right. in, the, in the world of psychology, you know, Maslow, right? I mean, the, the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. You know, when you can when you can get to know yourself, know thyself, right? Like, that's when you feel like the world starts making the most sense. Now, I know that's that— hard. No, of course. Right? There's no question. Especially if all the needs below you are met. Yeah. We have covered so much here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. The Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. 
For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. I know that your proper foundation or, or the proper brand has been getting out in the community, and, and we've collaborated on some stuff to help yeah. some veterans and things of that nature. But I learned something recently that I, I want you to share a little bit. You, you've been doing some personal work inside the St. Louis County Jail, and you've been working with inmates. I mean, tell our listeners what you're doing, because I think it's phenomenal, frankly. You know, you look at your the last 15 years of your life and, you know, how you have probably developed a sense of purpose of helping people, right? Telling your story. I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of what you guys are doing. I grew up in this space, you know, certainly Jesuit educated, the, the sense of giving back and helping others. You know, my mom left the executive space and, um, you know, worked with the poor for 30 plus years, you know, at a minimum wage, you know, so it's always been ingrained in me. You know, no doubt. And there's a spiritual component, bar none, that uh, has hit me deeper. And not to f- you know fully wear my religion on my sleeve, but you just go to the biblical you know nature, whether you believe it or not. I mean, Jesus spent the most time with the people who were the most fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right? Fair. I mean, that's what he did, right? Yeah. And when he was met with criticism, he just moved on. You know? And like, when I was a sports better, I bet the underdog. Right? You know, my whole life... You know, like I, you cheer for the underdog. And I think when you look at the cannabis space, I'm here legally at the expense of millions of people who've been fucked, uh-huh. imprisoned, yeah. incarcerated, you know, mentally abused because of their use. Uh, and it's still happening today. Like I have to remind myself that I'm running a, you know, a, a decent sized business at the expense of millions of people who have been victims. Right. And then you look literally at your and my lives. And I don't know you, Brandon, as much. But you think about one or two slightly different outcomes of some of our experiences likely would have left us in bars, too. Or we got caught. Things would have gone the other way. It would have gone the other way. You know, and being a an upper middle class Caucasian male, you know, our, my ability to navigate the, you know, judicial system or get out of jail, if need be, is a little bit different than somebody who can't afford it. So, sure. you know, the, the long-winded response is it was on my heart and mind for a couple of years. And, you know, fortunately, I was uh, I, I got hooked up with people who, you know, thought that I could, you know, teach. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I go into the jail and I, I spend time with people who have probably made some tough, bad decisions. But at their core, they've got some good qualities in them. And I want them to realize that, you know, they've got real gifts. And how can I help them realize that? How did this specific idea come to fruition? You know what I mean? Like, because you could do a lot of different things to help the community, but you you decided to go in with you know arguably some of the one, um, one of the more tougher yeah things some to of the do. scarier people that maybe not they're not as scary now, but when they were you know doing wrong things. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like to take the easy way out. I like the challenges, and you know, I think part of me is just yeah. You know, I think previously, you know, like, you know, you have a a certainly a charitable mindset at my early age. Hey, you're on this board, you do this and, you know, you give financially. And it's like, you know, that, that, of course you need that. And I think for me, it's just like, you know. Needed something more. You know, convincing people in my own circle. And, you know, I just, I wanted to really get to who needs not the most help because we all need help. But this is just a segment of people who don't have access to help. Right. It just did. It was on my heart for a couple of years. And I, I, I just started thinking about it, praying about it, talking about it and certain things kind of, you know, uh, you know, call it coincidence or, you know, and, you know, ultimately it gets back to like, you know, we're called to help the people who need help. And um, so, yeah, I meet with these guys, you know, every Wednesday. It's, um, it's empowering. I do learn they, a lot. Do they volunteer to come to this or is it something? Yeah. That, so it's just a, a group. How big is the, how big is the group? It's set up in, happens to be on the seventh floor of the county jail and you're in pods and you can't co-mingle pods. So, and the residents and, you know, most would refer to them as inmates. Sure. Just so happens that, you know, we, we call them residents. I meet with, you know, between 12 and 14. That's about max. It's, it's become a pretty. In a classroom setting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Actually, we sit around the table. Oh yeah. In a, in a conference circular form. They're not cuffed or anything. No, They're just no, chilling. I'm fully exposed. And, That's you know, cool, we, um, we get vulnerable. You what know, kind we, of things are you covering in this circle? So the, the class 
that I design is called Business, Purpose, and the Bible. So, you know, if you think about this community of people, they've come from broken homes, a ton of mental health, a lot of addiction, massive trauma in their lives, very few parental guidance mentors, father figures in their lives. I mean, you can imagine just the depths of, of struggles and issues, right? First thing, like in any business or any team, how do you get comfortable? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. We, this group yesterday ended, I, I've been with them for seven months. So the, the, the depths of conversations, the time it takes to develop trust, you know, it takes, it, 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 it's a process. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Right? What was the first day like? Because... The, the, like my like my first day of teaching on yes, my own. When you got them, when you got the first twelve to fifteen people in there, and you're the new guy, they don't know you from Adam. How do you gain that trust? Or was it awkward? Like, what do you remember? That that had to be different than any other day. Yeah, you know, and, and oddly enough, yes, they're all they're all different days. I mean, it's uh, every day is different. And I, I go back to, hey, it's not about me; it's about them. I, you got you have to improvise, of course, as part of my credentials. You know, I'm trained. You, you can't be specific. Like, they don't know exactly what I do, right? They know I have a manufacturing business. You know, they know I have a real estate business. They know I have four kids. But like, you know, I I, I can't wear a hat. You know, I change. I mean, you're wearing neutral clothes. Uh, there's guidelines and principles. You know, so these are things that I had to get trained on. You don't go uh, in wearing all red. No, no, but um, or all blue. No. The first day, though, like, I think I just put it all on the fucking table. That's cool. You know, and said, all right, here's the class. Here's who I am. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Here are the parameters. Here are the guidelines. Nobody's forcing you to be here. Nobody's forcing me to be here. I want you here. Hopefully you keep showing up. And and I think I start out by posing a question, and they all looked around like, holy shit, like, we got to talk, you know, and like, <laughs> nervous, excited. A little scared, but you know, I've never been threatened. You know, these are guys like my goal is to help them. And once I think they knew within the first 30 minutes that I wasn't a threat, right? And once somebody can feel connected, open up, right? Yeah, 100%. And yeah. I think that's why it's been successful. You know, I'm not, I'm certainly there to teach, you know, about God and Christ, I'm there to help them as human beings but I'm not a threat to them, you know? And uh, I think that's what makes it work. Do you ever bring guests in with you? Like, no. Are you able to do that? No, people have asked and, you know, I'd I think- I'd love to do some shit I think like there's that. there's probably ways to do it, but- um, Probably a big pain in the ass. You know, it's, and by the way, we, we you know, so we, we talk about struggles. We talk about behavior. We talk about goals. I, I introduced Dale Carnegie's book. We always read the Bible. I try to connect business principles- you know, your, your, your standard business principles, building teams, mission, vision, yeah. goal setting, you know, what are the characteristic traits of these things, struggles, change, um, and then into the personal lives. And, and you'd be surprised at just how much connectivity there is in business principles in the Bible. You ever notice any uh, like breakthroughs? Like, wow, that guy came yes. here and look at the, look at him now, seven months later. Like, Dude, holy. I, I, I yeah, every day, but there's been, there was one day, there was a guy, a grand, this is a holding facility. He'd been there seven years. Fuck, man. Seven years. Without even being convicted. Probably in his mid-20s. Oh, Jesus. Okay? So that particular day, I thought I had a good lesson plan. And as a former teacher, whenever you think you have a good lesson plan, throw it out the door. You know, and then the days you don't have it, you know, like you just have to kind of improv. So I kid you not. We're in class, and the correction officer came in the room. He's getting released for good after seven years. Mm. The room's going fucking wild. We're hugging him, like high-fiving him, like, dude, you're, you're a fucking free man. Right. Right? You're a free man. It's a celebration. Right? People are crying, you know, like, I'm overwhelmed with emotion. Like, all right, man, like, go get him, you know? Like, and th- these aren't my friends, right? Like, these aren't people I, I, you have, that's how you're, I'm trained. As much as you're close to them, like, I'm not sharing everything. So he leaves. Five minutes later, he comes back. And he goes, I want to finish class. Oh, fuck. Wow. That's cool. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. That's dude, that's gotta make you feel like this is a guy who's been in fucking jail for seven years gets called to fucking freedom. Could literally run out the front door, walked out, yeah, and comes back and wants to finish class. Oh shit! And it just so happened that that class we talked about the Good Samaritan. Wow, dude. Yeah, it was, dude. It was like you know it that'll was, make you feel real. It good. was unbelievable. That's how you know you're making an impact. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you next. That that day, obviously, when you left there, you probably felt wonderful. Do you get that wonderful feeling every time you leave there? Yeah, I, I would. And think I think so. about it like one of the things I've been studying, and I, I think that th- this ties into mental health. I believe is if you can study your own life and you can look at when are you most energized, and I would imagine like when you're doing this, there's something energizing about it, right? For sure. How do you you know? And, and not obviously in the manic stage with, with what we deal with. I'm saying like like the the peace type of energy, mm-hmm. and there's no question that like that energy when I'm in the room is like, I feel fully liberated and, and like, I, you know, I don't want to say it's a calling, but it's like, it, it's, it kind of, it's kind of natural. It is a calling. You know? And it's like, there are days I could spend all day there. Hmm. You know, like yesterday, like I left this class. I've been with them for seven, 17, no, 28 weeks. Well, how do you bring closure to it? I'm not so that class, them. Is, that class is over now. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on the next pod and, you know, three guys got released three or four guys got permanently sentenced, you know, and all the stuff that goes on. I mean, there's two weeks ago, there was a massive brawl. A couple of guys in my class were in it. They got put to the hole, Oof. you know? So like I, I'm, I'm intertwined with things that are, they're going on with. And when they can, they all tend to come back and we get this couple hours of like, so you're there a few hours on a Wednesday. Yeah. It's simply a couple hours and I could go for, Four or five. No shit, man. That's cool. Well, are there any other things in your life that you have that same feeling when you would leave the jail? You know, there's that. You can't really even put a, a word or a name on that feeling. Can I, and the only reason I can talk about this is because when I started doing bipolar talks in front of people after my book came out, and I didn't know this was going to happen, right? I would go do a talk in Chicago or I would go do a talk in North Carolina. And as soon as the talk was over... I had this incredible feeling and it almost felt, it was the same feeling I would get when I would shoot a really low score in a golf tournament in a competition, right? It's the only thing I could really compare it to. Do you, do you have another feeling in your life that that kind of goes alongside when you walk out of the Yeah. Well, listen, I think there's a, this is a, this is a easy correlation and, and there's, you know, science behind it. And, you know, you talked about the foundation of proper and, you know, there's something called the helper's high. Oh, I didn't right? know. I've, I've, I didn't I never know. Heard Look it up. The helper's yeah, high. I didn't know this. Would you rather get a gift or get a gift? Give. Give. For sure. Right? Your your body releases a serotonin and dopamine when you give. Yeah. Right? It's, it's what happens. So yeah. when you think about when you're on stage or you have a chance to tell your story, you're really doing that to what? To help the people. To listening. help people. You're helping. You're giving. Right. So that <laughs> feeling that you have... Right. Is a result of you giving helpers high. I didn't helpers know high. About the helpers high. <laughs> yeah, that explains a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I know. Yeah. I think for me, you know, when when I'm with my team at Proper, when I have a group that is jointly combined, where we're talking freely, and I can guide vision or principles or behavior or values, I, I tend to feel that. You know, I like D, I like the business side, of course. You know, like per, the pursuit. And I would say I, I the desire, the pursuit is not monetary. I just like I like building things, right? So I think when I'm presenting, you know, and I'm somehow getting connected to the the audience, probably in the same way. And you know, if it could be, you know, me presenting to my team, mm-hmm. my investors, mm-hmm. from a business front, I think. Right, but isn't it interesting how whether it's and I know you've done it with the things you've done with mental health meetups and all the all the people you helped during the pandemic. Isn't it interesting how you could have a great success in business or you could have a great success in sports, whatever it is, but when you help somebody else, that's the helper's high. Like yeah. that guy didn't Yeah, I never knew there term. was a name like, for it. Like yeah. it really is a real thing. And it's, it's hopefully, you know, people realize that and they, you know, understand how powerful it is because it really is. I mean, that, like you talked about, you, you weren't sure if that was your calling to go in that. It's one of your callings because, I got to tell you, there's not too many people in the world that would go in there. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, one of the things I teach really about, am. and I, I think, you know, my, my mom has helped me with this, and it gets back to, like, you know, part of the curriculum, you know, what's your purpose, right? Gifts. If you're energized more when you're giving, 
right? Well, what's a gift? What'd you say? What is a gift? If you just dumb down an answer. I don't know, something you're going to give to someone else that makes their day. And that you're not expecting anything in return. Correct, yeah. Right? If I, if I go give you a, a, you know, if you give me a driver that you were given and, and you give it to me, it's a gift from you to me. Mm-hmm. Once you say, well, John, you owe me a couple hundred bucks. Is it a gift? <laughs> no. No. It's right? so like, it's a, kind of <laughs> yeah. a dumb analogy, but like that's the. Sure. So then you think about from a human perspective, you know, what gives you the ability to have a more natural golf swing than me? What would you say? Maybe it's a gift. I would say it's a gift. Yeah. I mean, my brothers, your friends, mm-hmm. they're twins. Yes. Right? They're different. Same, D, you know, same DNA, same parents, same upbringing. They're different. Extremely. Extremely different, right? So I call it corny. I, you know, what my mom, I remember as a kid, you know, maybe it was in my high school, college struggle. Hey, what's the purpose of life? And she, here's what she told me. And this is what I teach about. She said, I think the purpose of life is utilizing the gifts that God gave you. And she goes, I think one of your gifts is helping people realize what their gifts are. Nice. And I, I don't agree. And yeah. I don't think most people know what their gifts are. But when you're using your gifts. I have no idea what mine are. I'll well, be I, honest with you. Well, zero. One, zero. Of your, one of yours is helping other people get through stuff. Well, I, I, got, you do it. I got lucky with the platform I was given. Mm. No, I, Apparently I that know. was supposed to happen, though. And maybe. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Do you know John Gordon, the you know, New York know Times? Yeah, I energy lunched, bus? Yeah, Energy bus. Yeah. I'd launched with him a couple times years ago. and uh, Who's this? John Gordon? He's a writer. Yeah. He's like a self-help guy. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, he's written some of those corny books, but going back to energy, one of his thesis is the word energy is derived from a Greek word called entheos. That means divine spirit. And that people are most energized when they're using their divine mm-hmm. spirit or gifts. So kind of, you know, it's, well, when are you, when are you most energized? I'm drinking some beers, barbecuing. <laughs> Having yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you're relaxed. Yeah, but let me say something about yeah. the Natty King here. The first day I met him in person, we had talked on the phone about doing this podcast, but the first day I met him in person, we went and grabbed a bite to eat. And like five people in this restaurant, I've never met him in my whole life. Five people in this restaurant came up and started hugging him, right? Wow. And he said, hey, come with me tonight. I'm having this event. We're raising some money for a friend of ours who has cancer, mm-hmm. right? And so he's being very modest. Yeah. He does the same kind of shit you do, but just in a different area right and that i think because i saw you that night i saw you in your element with all the people and these people love this guy yeah and they should and and that i could tell was an area that was energized i was energized i was fucking energetic and you've done a bunch of that in the last Mm. couple years right yeah yeah and you know so there you go yeah and and what you know if you actually just drill down and say okay well what about that you know like is it the scene you know is it you bringing people together is it you you know, uh, helping people with struggles in their lives. The point is, is like when you actually yeah. like, if you get more ethereal about it, but drill into in like deeper. the specifics, I think it, eventually they surface. That is your gift, helping people. To <laughs> you know, so like, you know, I, thanks. I get, maybe gets back to the helper's high. So yeah, yeah, even even you know, first degree murderers have gifts. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've seen that up close. Yeah. Yeah. Murdering. So such a unique not that thing. not that it's justified by any means. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. No, yeah. I'm not trying to. So I'm not trying to say anybody that's is innocent when they're guilty, but but to have the the gall and the you know the confidence to walk in there and do what you do. I mean, that's that's wonderful. I think. I think uh, so too. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know, like, did you play sports growing up at all? Uh, I ran a yeah. lot, track yeah. and cross country. That's a whole runner's high. You know, same deal, but. You know, like in the business world and teams, I think it's no different. It's like if you look back and, you know, the best teams that you played on, you know, what made the teams good, good coaching and, you know, open communication and understanding your role. You know, and I, I love the sports analogies. Like, you know, if you look at a football team, are you the starting quarterback? Are you the scout team quarterback? Are you the offensive coordinator? Are you the line coach? Are you the water Kicker. boy? Yeah. And what's the goal? What's you know? Get the W, baby. If everybody wants to be Tom Brady, you wouldn't have the team, you know. That's right. And so then it gets from the human perspective. I th- I really think when you can help people 
understand their role by way of, man, I got gifts. It's like this. I, I got, how many kids you have? Two. Two. How old? Uh, 12 and three. Okay. So I got, I've got a 12 and three year old yeah. as well as 11 and nine year old. Like, girls, boys? Two of each. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shit. I got two girls. Yeah. They're, um, that's a beautiful experiment. But I, you know, it's like if I expected all my kids to have the same aptitude, the same academic mm. interests, the same athleticism, I would be doing them a disservice. Yep. That's unfair. Right? Yeah. Um, and they're all different. But still, I got a beautiful wife and we, we raise them concurrently. But, you know, so it's like you got to. I think that's, you know, I think part of the mental health stuff is people get lost. You know, I mean, there's the, certainly the chemical imbalance. But nowadays with the insecurities and, and you know, the social media and constantly mm. comparing yourself to somebody mm -hmm. else, thinking about Fucking the things hey. you don't have versus the things that you have. This mental health stuff is, I think, a big part of it is helping start at an early age, having kids realize their self-worth. What do you, what do you want to do? What are you gifted at? Oh, fuck, yeah. If you could start that, even as a, you know, how, how do you teach it to a three-year-old? Well, yeah, tough. I, don't put them in things because you want them. You got to somehow have the awareness of like, well, what are they thinking about? Where are they most curious? And keep navigating that with them. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you in here, Johnny, is because I wanted to help you, certainly on a business, from a business standpoint, promote your brand. But I also wanted people to know that if they're in the state of Missouri and they're considering using cannabis products, once they hear you talk and hear all the things you do, to me, anybody's business is a reflection of who they are. And so I think you've painted a wonderful picture of the things that not only you've done on a business from the business side, but also the things that are important to you on a personal side and what you're trying to do in the community. And I hope that uh, you'll come back and talk to us another time. I know we could sit here and probably do this all yeah, day. We could, yeah, you know, there's no doubt. But I, I think it was important because I think sometimes, like I, I mentioned in the middle of this one, people they don't always think that the cannabis thing is is better or it's, you know, it's not as real as it, as it is. I wanted people to get a, a kind of a viewpoint of you and, and let them know that, Hey, this, look at what this guy's doing. He, all that carries over into the business and, and that makes your company uh, that much more powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I listen, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to be here with you guys and, you know, anything I can do to help you all. And, you know, hopefully maybe you get a listener or two that uh, is intrigued by this and we could, Help them in some fashion, but uh, that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. Even if just one person hears some of what you had to say today and it helps them with the decision to make their life better, that's the whole point of this. Podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you guys are doing great things, man. You know, Mike, Thank you, you were, you know, I, I was fortunate as a kid to, um, you know, have older brothers, and you know, Mike in some regard was like another brother because you were at our house, and you know, it's uh, I spent some time over there. Yeah, sure you did, and I, I learned a lot from you guys, and it's just it's uh, it's humbling to be able to. I don't want to say come full circle, but, you know, reflect the life together and, and utilize some of the things we've been given to, to make the world better. Maybe we've grown up a little. Yeah. Just, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Not a ton. Not every just, day. Just a scope. Not every day. We like that. Uh, but too. that's John Pennington, the CEO and founder of Proper Cannabis. My partner, Brandon Magnamy. I'm Michael Wellington. Come back and see us next time on Street Smart. Love you. Bye. <laughs>